everyone. Please have a seat. Uh, please uh, join me in prayer now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, may your wisdom fill me with a steady voice to correctly proclaim your word this morning. May your spirit guard me against any error. May the love of Christ Jesus be evident in all I say. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Okay, soon after uh, I came to a saving faith in Christ, Sharon and I enrolled our kids in a Christian school. The motto of this school was Proverbs 9.10. Quote, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I was initially puzzled that it appeared that I was to fear God. I could not believe that a God who gave up his son to a corrupt world for my salvation also expected me to be afraid of him. Were Christians to be afraid of their creator after he had reconciled them to himself through the shed blood of his son, Christ Jesus? I knew there had to be more to learn about this than I presently understood at that time. I began searching scripture and I, I knew that I could call on the Holy Spirit to guide me into the truth. As Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. I discovered that this concept of the fear of God is repeated many times in Psalms, Proverbs, as well as many other Old and New Testament books. It had to be important then. I also learned that this concept of fear of God is often ignored or misunderstood in many churches. Sadly, most Christians today are unable or unwilling to talk about fear of the Lord. Now I know that it's important. It's so important I have to share it with you this morning. There are two basic types of fear. There's one that's negative, and there's another that's quite positive. The negative fear of God drives us away from God's presence. The positive fear of God drives us into God's presence. The genesis of the negative fear is self-love, like that experienced by Adam and Eve in chapter 3, of the book of Genesis, which records their fall from grace because their disobedience to God. Remember, they hid from God after their sin when he called to them. They were afraid. Another example of this negative fear that simultaneously was manifested uh, at man and God were the children of Judah in the book of Jeremiah. They had turned their backs on God and willfully and repeatedly disobeyed God. God then used the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to take them from Judah into exile for 70 years. They cried out in both fear for their cruel treatment and fear of God because he had divorced them. Because of our innate desire to avoid harm, to be safe and comfortable, we fear bad things happening to us. We love our families, our friends, and our stuff. 
We fear losing them. This self-interest-based fear can also be seen in our fear of loss of reputation, appearance, and power. This fear is not inherently bad. In fact, it can be good in the right context. It can motivate us to take steps for safety. It can stop reckless behavior. It can even inspire us to heroic deeds. We should not dismiss the fear of God concept just because it may sound bad. Let's see how we can cause delight in our hearts and joy in Christ with a thorough understanding of the fear of God. Now, a positive fear of God will cause our hearts awe and trembling as we reverently see our Father, our Creator. Today, much of our culture is trying its best to cast off fear of God. The church has largely conceded by removing the fear of God from its vocabulary. Scripture tells us something quite different about the fear of God. Let's look at Exodus 20, where the people of Israel gather at Mount Sinai. Quote, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Here Moses sets out a contrast between being afraid of God and fearing God. Those who have a fear of him will not be afraid of him. Yet he uses the same fear, Hebrew root word, for both terms. Evidently, there are different types of fear. Indeed, there are. And here, we're going to learn that fear of God is good and desirable, that there is a fear of God that is not good. A negative fear of God which flows from sin. It is condemned in Scripture. This type of fear we read in James 2, verse 19. Quote, you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. This is the same fear Moses wanted to remove from the Israelites at Sinai. It is the same fear Adam and Eve had when they first sinned and hid from God. Sinful fear drives you away from God, as I said earlier. This is the same fear of the unbeliever who hates God, who remains a rebel at heart, who fears being exposed as a sinner and so runs from God. This fear is a huge misunderstanding of the true nature of God. It generates doubt that rationalizes unbelief. Satan then uses this as a starting point for both atheism and idolatry, inspiring people to invent alternative realities in place of the living God without any God-centered rationale for a higher beauty and human dignity, a grim, self-centered psychology 
emerges. For example, human life, like that of the unborn, is often seen as an obstacle to happiness. People with this type of fear will not then trust in God, Christ for their salvation. They will trust in their laws, their own efforts, or anything or anyone but Christ. This fear is the very opposite of God's love. God is not the source of man's terror. He is the source of all beauty, reconciliation, comfort, and peace that surpasses all human understanding. Another part of this sinful fear is letting go of sin. C.S. Lewis called this the dread of holiness. In his fiction book, The Great Divorce, he describes ghosts that are frightened by anything new and beautiful, especially anything revealed by the light. They do not want to give up their imagined dignity or self-dependence. They do not want to give up their long-held grudges and hate, which has grotesquely distorted their lives and prevented them from happiness. They shrink back in fear at the prospect of liberation and purification by stepping into the light. Many people are frightened at the thought of putting their sins to death in Christ's crucifixion. The corrupt fear is part of Satan's big lie that we are self-reliant species capable of mastering our own lives. It is the devil's work to cause us to take the concept of fear of God superficially and not explore its true meaning. The idea that it's God who is in control and we are totally dependent upon him is the antithesis of their worldview. The idea of God's redeeming grace through the blood of Jesus simply makes no sense to them. They fail to understand the glory of a new life in following Christ, of being in Christ. A right fear of God is a blessing of the new covenant to those who call Jesus their Lord. The new covenant is promised in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, verses 38 to 40, quote, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they not, may not turn from me. What a wonderful relationship that awaits those who know him as El Shaddai, the Mighty One. A right fear of God is given by God's grace. John Newton sings in Amazing Grace. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." Paul describes the right fear of God as the spirit of slavery. He writes in Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 15, quote, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. A correct fear of God will convict us of our sins and drive us to the cross, where we can repent and seek refuge. This fear 
is relieved by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is grace that cleanses and restores so that we can again have that intimate relationship with God and call him Abba Father. We will then fear and tremble at all the good that he does for us as later described in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 9. This is a fear that Charles Spurgeon describes as, quote, leans towards the Lord because of his very goodness. This correct fear of God can be called divine wisdom. It causes us awe and reverence as we, through faith, realize that God is good and merciful beyond all measure. We should strive to constantly learn more and more about the concept of the fear of God. It should be a lifelong quest as we read and reread our Bibles. When we realize that God loves us and all that it entails, we should be motivated to draw closer and closer to him. The fear of God is the essence of God's love for us. It is what gives us a joy that I suspect also gives God as our Father a great enjoyment. I believe that the fear of God is synonymous with the love of God. We can see this in Psalm 145, verses 19 and 20. Quote, he fills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. God is perfect in every way. He is beautiful. He is righteous. His majesty and mercy are overwhelming to his saints. Our love for him should cause us to tremble in fear of him. Our right fear of God is not in conflict with our love for God. Right fear of God is prostrate before him. The true fear of God is true love for God. By the power of the Holy Spirit is a natural spiritual response to the revelation of himself in all his grace and glory. We tremble at his unmerited mercy for lost souls. The fear of God is the opposite of being afraid of God. Godly fear casts out carnal fear. Frequently believers see in scripture that a godly fear of God will open their eyes to his goodness and majesty as they will tremble with the realization of his love. The correct fear of God is a reverential love filled with thanksgiving. It cannot be contained with passionless ceremony and route prayers. The saints are called to receive the living and all gracious God and all his beauty and splendor. Then our hearts will quake. There are those who say that the word fear may not be the most helpful word to describe a right response to God, given the negative connotation of its common use. Some Christians prefer to use such words as awe, respect, and reverence in place of fear. Well, excuse me, this is the word that God uses, so it's perfect. Michael Rivas tells us in his latest book, Rejoice and Tremble, that in the Old Testament Hebrew language, the two root words are used to describe the right fear of God. 
These both present the Old Testament view of fear and serve as a template for New Testament usage, which translates them as seen in Paul's use from Psalm 36, verse 1. Quote, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God in their eyes. We see Paul use this word to describe this sinful fear in Romans chapter 3, verse 18. Quote, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Remember, we saw this afraid type of fear in Exodus 20, verses 18 to 20, when Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. This again is seen in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, when Adam tells the Lord, I was naked and I hid myself. It is used positively now to describe the blessed and awesome graciousness of God. Quote, awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Psalm 68, verse 35. There is a commonality here as the same word is used both positively and negatively. In Isaiah 33, verse 14, it is used negatively. Quote, the sinners of Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. It is used positively in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 9, when he proclaims, This city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provided. <clears throat> now, both these verses speak of a physical experience of being overwhelmed. We can either tremble and quake in terror of the wrath of a just God who judges the unrighteousness, or like King David, tremble and dance with joy as we adore his merciful graciousness. Right fear is at the heart of holiness, and we are called to be holy. It is a genuine spirit that leads to knowledge of God. This is the fear that births faith. A saving faith cannot be separated from the right fear of God because we trust in God only. This is why we read scripture, to know him better, and rejoice in him to the point of trembling. This difference between mindless ceremony and a genuine knowledge of God, a right fear reveals a saving faith that cannot separate us from God. Knowledge of God as creator without knowledge of him as redeemer still leaves us eternally lost. He gave us the Bible. He further revealed himself in the life and death of Jesus. This is the essential identity of God. The Nicene Creed gives us a clear and succinct definition of how we should view God. Quote, we believe in one God, the Father. This is sola scriptura. Our basic understanding of who God is with his son and his word. Remember in the book of John, Chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, 
when Philip pleaded with Jesus to show him the Father. Jesus scolded him when he said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. It is Jesus who shows us the way to the Father. It is through Jesus that we are to direct all of our prayers. It is through Jesus that we can see the glorious nature of God. This glorious nature of God is awesome revealed in the book of Isaiah. Consider the following verses from this book. Chapter 54, verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Chapter 48, verse 13. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. Chapter 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created it, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Notice that in each of these passages, Isaiah speaks of the Holy One as the Redeemer. Now let's look at chapter 52, verse 13. Quote, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, and he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. This is Jesus. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. A correct fear of God will invite us to be given through the shed blood of Christ Jesus. This is grace, the redeeming gift of a forgiving Father. Clearly, we must see God as creator and as our redeemer in Christ. We will all stand before God, either in fear of judgment or with the correct knowledge of a fear of a loving God. He is our Father and the author of our salvation. We owe everything to him. We can have that intimate father-child relationship he yearns for to renew that relationship right now, today. He holds out his hands now to come to him through Christ Jesus by the power of his redeeming death on the cross and call him Abba Father. Please join me in prayer. Father God, may any here this morning who do not know you as their Redeemer through the shed blood of Christ now come to the cross of redemption and mercy in prayer and claim Jesus as their Savior. Amen. Thank you.